102.5 FM, KXSFLP, San Francisco, and KXSF.FM. You're tuned in to Spark, informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. Today I'm talking with Gretchen Rubin, the blockbuster selling author of The Happiness Project and the host of the award-winning podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin. We will be talking about finding happiness in a pandemic. Thank you for joining me on Spark today, Gretchen. Thank you. I'm so happy to be talking to you. This pandemic is difficult for many people right now. Is it difficult for you? I'm very concerned about the world and about other people and the future. But for me personally, in my own personal life, it has not been tough, I must say. There were a lot of upsides, like my having my daughter home from college. I was very sad that she was home from college, but it was also wonderful to have her home from college. And like I wasn't doing as much traveling. And on the one hand, I love traveling. But on the other hand, it's kind of nice not to travel. So for me, um, personally, it has not been terrible. It's worked out for you in the sense that you have had more quality time for what you wouldn't have otherwise. Yes. So I've had less quality time for things I also value, but I have more quality time for other things. So there's kind of upsides and downsides. So there's been no downside? Oh, no, there's been tremendous downside. But I'm just saying, but there has been parts of it that I have, have enjoyed. If there has been any downside, what's been the most challenging? Well, I'm very accustomed to speaking a lot, and I love to go to new places, and I love to talk to people about the subjects that interest me. And so as much as I love being at home and being at my desk, which I do love, I do really miss getting the chance to meet people and, and, um, and, and you know, hear face-to-face what other people are thinking about and what their questions are. Of course, just in my personal life, I'm seeing so few people And Zoom just doesn't make up for it, as we all know. Yes, it does not. You have written a lot about happiness and finding happiness. What would you suggest for people who are feeling that it is difficult right now? Can they find happiness at this time? I think it's more helpful to think about being as happy as you can be under the circumstances or if there are ways to be happier. Because I think people can get very caught up in what is happiness? Can I be happy? What would that look like? How can I stay there? What about bliss? What about joy? What about contentment? What about serenity? What about fulfillment? And it can get very confusing. And I think it's much clearer to say to yourself, well, given what I'm going through, given the kind of person I am, given my circumstances, my situation, everything that's going on, are there things I could do that I think would make me happier? Do I think I would be happier if I got more sleep? Do I think I would be happier if I spent more time reading? Do I think I would be happier if I called my parents more often? Do I think I would be happier if I got more exercise? And I think that's easier to see rather than is this going to make me happy? That's a very tricky question. And it doesn't really matter because I think we want to be as happier if we can be happier. And probably for most of us, there are things that we can pretty readily identify that would help to make us happier. What you're saying is don't question whether you're happy or not. Just ask what you can do to make yourself happier. 
I myself find the question like, are you happy or like, where do you rate on the one to 10 scale of happiness? I find that tremendously frustrating and difficult. I can never answer that question. So yeah, I avoid thinking about it like that myself. I don't think it's particularly helpful. It's could I be happier? Can I move in the right direction? One of the key challenges is loneliness or lack of connection during this time. What would you suggest, given that we're in this situation, especially if you're introvert, right? It's even harder. Yeah, I'm, you're you're exactly right. This is one of the most challenging situ- um, aspects of our situation. It's funny because there's all different kinds of loneliness. And I think one way some people are lonely is wanting to be alone in a crowd, like wanting to work on their laptop in the middle of a crowded coffee shop or walk through a museum by yourself where you sort of get the energy of being around a bunch of people, but you're still also sort of having the experience of being alone. And, and, and that's very difficult to do, obviously. Um, I mean, I think it's just to really try to work on feeling connected. Zoom is not as good, but it's better than nothing. And so to really make an effort, I think at the beginning of all this, people really were making an effort. I think now maybe sometime, I mean, I know for me, I've had to kind of re-up my effort to get my book group to get together by Zoom or get my high school friends to get together by Zoom or to make a night, uh, like a date with my husband and another couple friend of ours to get together by Zoom. Those things really do make a difference. And then also, I think, uh, you know, thinking about people who maybe need you to look out for them and reach out to them um, because you'll make them happier, but you'll also make yourself happier by connecting with them. And one thing to remember is that everybody, people need different technology. And so you may feel much more comfortable with text, but you have to think about the person on the other side. So like, I'm very email focused. I always like to get to get to like connect by email, but a lot of people don't like email. Part of it is to remember to think about what's convenient and comfortable to the person to whom you're reaching out and not just to stick with what's easiest um, for yourself. Are you finding that you are being more creative in your interactions or how you're interacting because of the fact that you have to do it through technology? Not really. We're just talking. That's <laughs> just basically it. Yeah. it has. I haven't come up with anything. I've heard of people doing things like getting dressed up in costume or having crazy backgrounds or doing like a family Zoom call with surprise guests or doing, playing games um, by Zoom, or doing all kinds of things. And I have done none of that. I just like talk to people over Zoom. But that's good. That's helpful. But I do admire people who are stepping up their game even further. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine Halloween's going to be a challenge this year, right? It is, right? I can only imagine how creative it will be this Halloween. How are people who are losing their jobs or seeking new opportunity, how can they feel better sense of well-being when they're going through this kind of sense of loss? Any suggestion about mindset? Even before getting to mindset, I would think about the body because the body, our physical experience always colors our emotional experience. And of course, if you if you're in a very stressful situation, like losing your job or being worried about your job, it's very easy to like not be able to sleep well um, and things like that. So the thing to begin with is to really think about your body because that's really going to help you deal most effectively with the challenges that you're facing. So that's 
going to sleep at a particular time, waking up at a particular time. If you set it, if you do it regularly, you'll have much better sleep than if you're just like staying up till two one night and going to bed at 10 one night. That's called social jet lag. People can actually be as if they're like flying back and forth from the east to west coast because they're just staying up so late or there's so much variety. So you want to go to sleep and wake up at more or less the same time. You want to make sure that you eat healthfully. You want to get some exercise. Exercise boosts mood, boosts function, boosts immune function, which we're also focused on. And it also does help you fall asleep and stay asleep so that if you're having trouble sleeping, exercise will help you. And you want to try to do um, get some exercise or at least go outside, um, especially in the early morning light if you can. That also that has all kinds of important influences on the regulation of the body. And again, you'll get energy, you'll get focus. So if you go for like a 20-minute walk first thing in the day, that's a really, really good way to start yourself off on the right track. I mean, another thing to think about is that often um, action is the antidote to anxiety. And so if you're very anxious about your situation, you might think about like, well, what are some concrete steps that I can take? I can, um, I can update my resume. I can go back through my calendar and make sure that I've remembered everything that I've done. When I'm describing what I've done, I include everything that I can claim that I've worked on or all the skills that I've shown so that I can really put my best foot forward. Maybe there's people I want to reconnect with. I need to reach out to my network to sort of let them know what the situation is and see if they have any suggestions or help. Um, One thing that's interesting to recall is that research shows that with something like getting a job, weak ties are often more effective than strong ties, meaning that often opportunities come to us from people who we don't know well, not from the people who do know us well. And that's because the people who know us well probably know more or less what we know. And the people on the outer the coworker you work with five years ago, but you've always kind of stayed in touch with a little bit, or your cousin, or that neighbor in your old neighborhood who kind of has a similar job to you. These weak ties often are, an, are a source of opportunity. And so maybe you want to sit down and, and just kind of think through, who might be those people? Who, who can I connect with? Not just the obvious people, but maybe the less obvious people, so that when I'm telling people, well, you know what, I'm, I'm on the hunt and you want to put the word out, uh, you have a long list of people that you can let know. Um, So taking action like that often helps people feel more in control, and that feeling of control um, very much does support us and help us to feel happier and more effective. So the focus should be on what can you do today to make a difference or that sense of difference for yourself. Right. What are some concrete actions that you can take? What are you finding as sources of inspiration during this time? Well, for me now, as always, it's reading. Um, I always get my most, my playground and my cubicle is is reading. And so that's where it's kind of an escape from this time, but then it also kind of sheds light on this time. So I've been doing a lot of reading. Mm. Do you have a favorite book that you recommend? Oh, my gosh, no. I have so many favorite books. I can't even buy. <laughs> I could never choose. Oh, God. No, I couldn't, I couldn't pick one. But yeah. um, You're still creating... What energizes you to create on a daily basis? Reading. <laughs> that it's my comfort and also kind of my, um, it's the kind of, it's the thing that makes me want to, um, you know, get back to work. I always am taking notes when I'm reading and often those notes then get incorporated into various projects that I'm working on or it leads me to make connections that I wouldn't have otherwise made. And so I will spend a lot of time going through the things that I've read and distilling them and copying and taking notes. And that's what really energizes me to keep going. 
That's all. That's so simple. You know, I'm not a well-rounded person, which sometimes I regret. I wish that I liked games or sports or playing an instrument, but I basically read and write a lot of the time. (laughs) Do you listen to podcasts? I do listen to podcasts. Yes, I do. I really, I almost never listen to music, but I do often listen to podcasts. Do you find them as informative as reading books? You know, that's actually an issue for me. And I think a lot of people who listen to podcasts feel the same way. It's very, it's pretty cumbersome to take notes while you listen to a podcast. And I do find that frustrating. And I've tried all different kinds of ways because I'll be listening to a podcast and I'll think, oh, I want to write down that fact or I want to look that up. And it's, I have to stop and, and, uh, and, and make a note. And so it's not as seamless as it is when I'm reading a book where I can just like stick a post-it note in there, like, oh, come back to this passage later. And then I pull it out and I'm right in front of my computer. So sometimes that can be frustrating. And when something's really rich with information, it's almost like I have to save it until I'm in my home office to listen to it and, and listen to something a little bit more like playful or light uh, when I'm like walking out in Central Park or something, and it because it's too unless I like thought to bring a notebook and pen with me that like actually take notes. I think that's something that I hope that can be fixed. I don't know what the, how that could be fixed te- technologically, but they fixed many things that I never thought could be fixed. So I'm hoping they will fix that too. So does that mean that you don't read electronic books then? It sounds like you Im- like to imprint what you're thinking about. No, I read, I read almost always print books. It's very, very unusual that I would read an e-book. Yeah, I heard that you actually retain more of the information when you read an actual book than an e-book. I believe it. I mean, I feel like it, and I don't know if that's just because I was trained reading print books, um, you know, grow up reading print books, but I find that my, my retention is dramatically higher, even to the point where, like, if I want to look up a particular paragraph, I can pretty easily just flip to it and find it. Um, whereas I feel like with an ebook, I'm just kind of lost in the whole thing. But maybe if I read from ebooks all the time, I would I would learn how to have those same skills in in the new technology. But the way that I take notes and the way that I remember, I really do find that a, that a print book um, really helps. And just seeing the cover in my hand helps me remember the title and the author name, and it just it all just st- sticks in my mind much better when I read a print book, which is why I read print books because almost everything I read, I'm trying to remember it. How do you categorize all the information that you're collecting? Not very scientifically, I must say. Some people have these extraordinary systems. I have a, I have a document called Notes, which is gigantic. I have a document called Quotes, 2006 After. So that's like my last, you know, 15 years of quotations that I've copied down. And then I have various documents for different subjects, like for color or for happiness or for habits or for my four tendencies framework, or I'm writing a book about the five senses. So I have a giant document called Five Senses. Those are huge subject files, but I just put it all there. But then I will often type kind of category next to it. And so if I'm searching by a category, like maybe I'm searching for something like selective blindness, or uh, then I could I could look at it by its by that phrase, and I often do kind of remember um, what I'm looking for, and so I, I, I it's not that hard for me to um, to find it in my notes. And I, I find that the kind of unexpected juxtaposition, having everything all mixed up, kind of spurs spurs my creativity. And then when I go to actually write a book and turn the, all those notes into a book. I have to just sift through it and create an outline that makes sense, and 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 that that seems to help me generate new ideas 
um, just like seeing everything in, in, a, in a hodgepodge, I, it helps me to think more deeply. It sounds like you have a system that no one else can use. They think that's exactly it. It doesn't seem like it makes that much sense when I describe it, but it works perfectly for me and I've been using it forever. So I'm sticking to it. What do you do when you lose motivation to create or you hit bumps in terms of reaching where you want to reach? You know, the way I work, I just I just keep reading for fun or I just read I just read about subjects that I'm interested in and then usually I'll see something I want to take a note on and I'll copy it out and that'll give me an idea and so I don't really run I don't really run out of process. There's always something that I can be doing. Or I can go back and edit something that I'm working on. Editing is very different from writing and very different from kind of like a re- like research. And so I could always go in and, and just be polishing something. And th- and that's a lot of work, too. So And then that usually kind of gets me back in the groove, too, because I'll, I'll get back into a subject and think, oh, well, you know what, I need to pull in this other discussion here. And then before you know it, I'm writing that. So it sounds like you just go back and get lost in your work versus taking a walk. Usually. But I often, I do have many breaks built into my day. And so I think, because I, I think that that sometimes can be true. I'm not the kind of person who works for like six hours without getting up. I get up constantly. I go for a walk. This year, I'm going to, to the Met every day, um, whenever I can, you know, it closed for, for many months there. But so I have a lot of things that I have to do within my day to give me breaks. What are you instilling in your children about what is important during this pandemic? Well, they're both very resilient, which is great. And they both have really been trying to make the most of it. Um, I have a 10th grader and then a college senior dwell on what is lost, which as a parent, of course, I'm very sad about everything that's not happening. And so I'm just trying to help them stay focused on like, well, what can you do you know, what's, what would make this time good? Make sure that you are staying connected with friends however you can. Make sure that you're having fun however you can. Make sure that you're going to bed on time, you know, at a reasonable hour, a healthful routine. No, I don't have to, you know, get them out of bed. I don't have to get them online. I don't have to stand over them and make sure they're doing their homework. When when I think of the parents of people with younger children, I just, it's, it is so tough. I mean, that is really, really, really tough on so many levels. But my kids are so much older. They're so much more self-sufficient that I don't, I don't have to play that role. That's a good place to be. But if you could create a better future post-pandemic, what would it look like? I don't even, I can't even begin to answer that question in a possible <laughs> way. This is the great work of mankind. And we've tried and failed so many times to create that utopia. I, 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 would, I, I don't have a ready answer for that one. Do you spend a lot of time imagining things, though? Like imagining possibilities? The future of mankind, if I was the total master of the universe, that I do not spend much time thinking about. That, I guess, I guess my imagination does not extend that far. I'm thinking more like, why is it that so many people have trouble putting down their phones. How could you help people put down their phones? That's pretty much, I think very much about like the concrete and the day-to-day challenges of people uh, on an individual basis. I don't, I don't tend to think that much about like institutional or national solutions. 
Um, I like to think about the things that an individual could do in their own life. It's not to say that institutions don't matter, organizations don't matter. They they matter tremendously. They create the environments for people. They matter tremendously. And many people think about that all the time. Um, It just happens to be that I tend to focus on on the individual and kind of the more immediate and concrete. Okay, so wrapping up, the five concrete tips that you have for people during this time in creating happiness. Um, one is to connect with other people, and whatever way that is, maybe you can go for a socially distanced walk. Maybe you can set up a fun Zoom call. Maybe you can take your dog to the dog park and watch all the dogs have fun. You want to you want to stay connected. Another is to take care of your body. Make sure that you're getting enough sleep. Make sure that you're getting some exercise. Make sure that you're eating healthfully because your physical experience will always color your emotional experience. One is try to work on something with a beginning and middle and an end. Like if there's some project you can do where you feel like you can actually do it, whether that's catching up on your photo albums or learning to play a new song on the guitar or cooking more uh, new recipes where it's like, I decided I was going to do this and I did it. That will give you a feeling of energy. One thing that's surprising to me is how, for how many people outer order contributes to inner calm much more than it should. Um, there's something about creating order in our environment that makes us feel more orderly in ourselves. And so if you can take the time to clean out a kitchen cabinet or clean out your closet or organize your home office so that it feels like it's in good order, that might, that will, for most people, not for everyone, but for most people, that will boost your kind of your sense of energy and good cheer and sense of possibility. And then if you really need something quick, some quick, quick ideas, one is to listen to your favorite upbeat song. That's one of the quickest, easiest ways to intervene in your mood. Another is to do 10 jumping jacks, get your feet off the floor, get your blood flowing. That will often make you feel happier. Um, and then do a good deed for someone else because do good, feel good. It really works. If you do something nice for someone else, they'll feel happier and you will feel happier too. Those are great tips. Thank you for joining me on Spark Today, Gretchen. Thank you. Great to talk to you.